Welcome to the Mitten Williams Meet the Maker podcast, where we talk about themes of creativity, craftsmanship and collaboration. My name is Bob Mitten. This is our last episode of 2021, and this week we are visiting Rebecca Cleo and Joshua Robertson, the duo behind leading screen print studio White Duck Editions. Clients include The Guardian, The Oscars, Shopify, The Rolling Stones, U2 and Led Zeppelin. White Duck specialise in screen printing, art publishing and G-Clay printing and have a reputation for uncompromising print excellence in the UK and overseas. They love the detail, depth and beauty achieved with screen printing and aim to create work that grabs the attention, matters and endures. And whilst the process of screen printing can be difficult and challenging, they always find the results rewarding. More recently, they have evolved the business and have also begun commissioning, publishing and exhibiting original works, but their mission remains the same, to simply produce excellent print. Over the years, they have produced work for a host of extraordinary artists, illustrators and designers, so we're really looking forward to hearing about their journey and plans for the future. Good morning, thank you very much for welcoming us in to your studio to have a chat. It's lovely to be here, nice to see you. You're very welcome. So, I guess my first question was, uh, why the name White Duck? (laughs) We thought that might be one of the first questions. (laughs) We did get asked that quite a lot, and um, it was just plucked out of the air, really. But ultimately, it was when Josh was travelling in India, he used to draw a little duck on the sand and take photographs of it, and it it was called Floyd the Duck. And then that kind of stuck as a kind of duck idea. And then when we lived in New Zealand, we made a bumper sticker for our car that said, Some Ducks. Inexplicably. And then the duck theme carried through, I think. Yeah. Uh, how, how that then gestated, it was just there in the in our ether, I suppose, when we came back to the UK <laughs> after being abroad. <laughs> but it's memorable, so, yeah, is yeah. It, and it's a good name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, a lot of people, just the other day when we were having this new piece of equipment installed, said, so why the name? It, it usually prompts people to ask that question. Mm. Mm. We'd like to have a better story about it, really, but it's quite loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could have gone with Rebecca and Joshua Incorporated, but it doesn't have the same ring, does it? <laughs> So, screen printing, I wondered if you could perhaps first uh, explain what you mean by screen printing, because whereas some, many people, many of the listeners might think, oh yes, screen printing on a t-shirt is one thing, but what we've just seen as we were walking around your studio with 12 colours on an amazing, beautiful piece of art and illustration is a very, very different level, and I wonder whether you could just perhaps talk through how it works and what you're doing to that. Yeah, something to mention first of all, I think, actually, it just occurred to me, is um, screen printing. We've been really thinking about that term when writing for our blog and on the website, because in an, uh, an age of digital artists, it's, I think it's really easy to think screen print and think of your computer screen and like the artwork coming straight from your computer and how does that translate to a thing that you hold. Mm. So you're right, it is a bit confusing. Silk screen printing <laughs> yeah. gets closer to the mark, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the act of screen, the screen printing process is a very technical process really. It's probably derived mostly from photographic techniques where you create layers from an artwork, individual layers for every single colour within the artwork and you, expo- you expose those layers onto a photosensitive emulsion on a screen, your silk screen. And it, 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 in essence, it makes a, a stencil of that layer, that colour, which you then apply to the paper by pushing the ink through with a squeegee. 
and for the 12 colour job out there that we're printing at the moment, so that's 12 different screens, 12 different layers, 12 different colours, and yeah, it's a lot of hard work, hands-on yeah. hard work, lots of ink mixing, <coughs> lots of colour matching. I think you mentioned just uh, um, before, like uh, the difference between creating an art screen print on paper versus like a, a screen print on a t-shirt. And a t-shirt is different in a sense because you'll usually set that up on one machine, print every colour in sequence, inks wet on wet, dry it afterwards and there's your finished thing. Whereas with uh, silkscreen printing for paper, you you bring the um, paper across the print table to print the first colour, it all goes and dries in the racks and then you do it again for the second colour. So two colours literally is twice the work of one in terms of the amount of time it takes. And with a job that size, we'll probably only get two colours done a day. So we'll spend the best part of two weeks working on that job. Mm. Right, so quite labour intensive to, to get to produce that final print. Absolutely. Yeah. And, we're, and we're fighting, um, fighting is the wrong word, but we're dealing with other, you know, the, uh, this time of year, we might see the humidity and the temperature, for instance, in the studio change wildly over mm. those days. So there are all sorts of considerations to how your registration over 13 colours is mm. going to be affected by those forces. Mm. Mm. Yeah, humidity is a constant Humidity worry. is a big one. Yeah, yeah. you get to like colour six and then you go home that evening and you've checked the weather and you're like, oh my God, the temperature might drop <laughs> by five degrees tonight and there's going to be a frost so it's going to get much drier in the studio. Paper's going to contract. <laughs> It'll cause you to sleep badly. No kidding. And just so you could give us an idea of the type of art you're producing, because I read somewhere about... You're doing work for Guardian, the Oscars, Rolling Stones, U2, Led Zeppelin. Big, big names. So what are you producing for those sorts of clients? Well, yeah, so U2 just recently, was it the 20-year anniversary or 30-year anniversary? Must Baby. have been 30 years, right? Yeah, 30-year anniversary of Atrium Baby. And so they did. They released artworks off their web, on their website of the original artwork, which is screen printed. So... There's that one. What was the other ones you asked about? Um, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. We we did some art prints for them of the lips of the their famous artwork. Yeah. That went. They was a really small edition. It was about ten, wasn't it? And they went to the band to be signed for some specific reason that they wanted them. Yeah. But the Led Zeppelin one was a good one. That was when the band uh, reformed for their. Is it at the O2 in London? Yeah. Like they did this big reunion reunion show. Uh, and that was it was quite a few years ago actually, but it was when we were getting quite excited in the UK about the the phenomenon of the screen printed gig poster, and we did um, we did tour post uh, posters for that show. So I mean I think most of the names on that list are fairly music related actually, mm. which has been until COVID a big part of our business, and we're starting to see that sort of coming back now. Yeah, we lost all, all that work went away through COVID. The music industry basically shut down mm. and didn't want to be. <clears throat> making anything new at that point but we are seeing it come back now yeah, yeah. it's great there's been quite a lot of interest in that I think that because when certainly when we noticed within our work you know a lot of the clients suddenly they were desperate for it was all digital yeah. wanting to sort of put lots of digital campaigns out but you, you get bombarded by digital stuff yeah. and to sort of actually feel something in your hands like to look at those posters we are in this, that we we're looking at in the studio yeah. there's something in wonderful about that and seeing you, you just seen the colors i'm looking at just the colors there i'm thinking that's not a straightforward cmyk print yes yeah. right 
Are you noticing that as well? Are you noticing that people just love that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when a new client comes and then they, they want to see what we can make um, and they get their first proof, they're usually wowed because it's not a flat edition. You get it, it's very substantial and tactile when you see it. So yeah, we're in the process of working with a big band in America at the moment that we can't really say who they are, but we've sent a load of proofs out to them and they're doing a publishing a book with a British publisher and it is their 20th anniversary of the seminal album. And yeah, we're just waiting to hear back about the proofs we sent. And the problem is we gave them too much choice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> they're all wrangling with, between themselves about what colours they want and what paper stocks. Yeah. The overwhelming first uh, reaction is that they love them. They want them all, but, but... they have to now narrow it down to which colours they want. Yeah. But there is something about screen print. Like Rebecca and I have just been to little DIY events where you're sort of pulling, you can come up and pull a, pull a screen print, you know. And uh, I don't know, there's something about the, that, the process that people find... It's like they're sort of witnessing some magical act. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you pull that and then you lift up the screen and underneath you've sort of deposited this design onto, you know, whatever it is, a t-shirt or a piece of paper. But with with the layering, like, like you're right, the digital prints we produce, they are amazing. But we've talked about, like, you, you get this interaction of colour horizontally across the surface. And with screen print, there's a there's a, another dimension there. There's a dimension going into the print, if that makes sense. The layer, the inks are stacked, and they are tactile. So like the the reg marks and the crop marks around the outside. By the time you put down thirteen, you can rub your thumb across it, and there's really a, there's a heavy build of ink there. You know, so you've got this depth and interaction of color that you just you don't really get with other print mediums. Mm. Another thing I wanted to touch on that I sort of saw on your site was about the artist printer relationship. Now, I'm just going to read this out. We see the artist-printer relationship as integral to our studio procedure and the pre-press work we put in with our clients is key to the success of any worthy screen print. And you talk about enriching the original artwork in some tangible way to become an artwork in its own right. Mm. I was just interested to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, there's a French illustrator, Malika, Malika Favre. I'm sure you're aware of her. She's pretty prolific these days. We've, we've been sort of fortunate enough to print with her, for her, for the last 11 years really and we wrote a blog post about it actually it's worth a read I think because it talks about how that relationship develops over time and how the work gets better over time because I think as you understand what the artist is trying to achieve and then you guide what they're trying to achieve through what's possible with screen print and, and in an ideal world that pushes what you're capable of as well and screen print after screen print you just find that that conversation grows easier the understanding of expectation gets better and the prints that come out of it just improve over time as well. And I think what we meant on there is that we feel screen print is quite, an, again, talking about the difference between screen print and digital, it's quite an, you're looking for accuracy in the representation, but it's, it is interpretive as well. So the print you make is, is more an interpretation of the artwork than, than a facsimile. Yeah. You know, so so I think you do end up with an artwork in its own right. I mean, you go on to say the entire process is highly in depth and hands on, not to mention a little emotionally involved <laughs> at times. It's a process full of difficulty and challenge, but the result is always rewarding, captivating, and worth the effort. It's very emotionally charged work. 
you're really in it when you're making it. Mm. You know, you're, you're so focused on all the nuances of what could go wrong. You know, there's a lot that can go wrong with the screen print at every stage of from mm. separating the artwork, making the screens, producing the inks, printing the job, finishing the job. Even the courier bit's a bit emotional, isn't it? Because you have to hand it over. It is, and then you and then you're sort of living the the future experience of the of the client opening those prints and experiencing them for the first time themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And maybe it just means we're really invested in the work, which probably you need to be for it to be good. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think because it's not just pressing a button and, and there's your print. There is a lot of pre-press work, but then the on-press work is absorbing and it, and fairly intense. Yeah. So that edition we're printing out there at the moment, those pieces of paper, we'll handle them hundreds, if not thousands, of times. You know, you you're constantly touching the work and you're very very connected to what we're making. Yeah. And if you're getting up to thirteen colours, by the time you're putting that thirteenth colour on. I mean, it's quite must be a bit nerve wracking because yes. because you can't make you can't get it wrong. You're going right back to the start, aren't yeah. you? That's right. I mean, by about a certain way through, you'll you'll know whether the paper has settled and whether things are sort of making sense. That said, um, I think in thirteen colours, it has to go pretty wrong for it to not work by the end. And you sometimes like early on, like what would you say, colour four or five? You might be feeling that reg isn't quite working somewhere or there are some inconsistencies but a, a word of advice to printers and screen printers going for these larger more complex editions you just really do have to knuckle down and persevere a lot of things straighten themselves out over the uh, over the process if you just keep focus <laughs> yeah but yeah that's um that's 450 sheets of paper in the rack, isn't it? And we'll print that 13 times, so I don't know what that is, six and a half thousand prints plus run-ins. So it's a fair amount of legwork. It was interesting you telling us a little bit earlier about, so that's a client in America, and you were saying that there's not many people in the UK doing what you're doing. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because the, the, the whole commercial side, the fact that they were selling out, I mean, that was that was fascinating to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, the American public knowledge of screen prints is a bit more um, widespread in America. There's a large collector scene for screen prints. Um, I think it originated from screen printed gig posters. There's a really big scene for that in America. And over here, we are seeing it. Bands do want that here. It's usually American bands touring in, America, right, in Britain, yeah. though. They bring their fans with them, yeah. so to speak. And then in America, there's now become a really large scene for alternative movie posters, which is a similar market to the gig poster market. But that said, there are there are galleries in Britain doing the amp scene stuff. There's um, Black Dragon Press, there's Dark City Gallery, to name a couple. Yeah, Vice, Vice Press. Vice Press. They're three of our... Of you know most loved clients, and they're doing some great work with some really really interesting artists. But with regards making the screen prints for those clients, I'm not aware that there's anybody else in UK mm. doing that apart from us. Yeah, mm. might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to know. I think not at the same level anyway. Um, like we sort of touched a bit out in the studio with the the way we've steered the studio, we sort of feel like we straddle the very artistically led side of creating prints and the more commercial side of what it means to really deliver that sort of work, right? Mm, on the larger scale, yeah. Mm. So how did you two get into it? Because from my quick look, you've come about it in very different ways. You know, you've been to university and you know, so I just, again, I was keen to hear how your different paths have taken you through to where you are now. Yeah, you'll be pleased to know the Genesis story is varied and <laughs> highly exciting. 
but no, we did meet in Bath, didn't we? Yeah. Um, back in around, what, in 2000? I was studying graphic design at university, and Josh was working as a screen printer yeah. at the time. I'd left school um, just in my GCSE years and did essentially what was like a, an apprenticeship, but at a screen print company where I had previously done work experience. Um, and worked there for seven years and um, learnt the learnt the craft to a degree. Did leave there vowing never to print another T-shirt in my life. <laughs> yeah. Because it was quite large scale and operating machines. And it, it would become quite far removed actually from holding a squeegee, passing ink through a mesh and what that really feels like. And plus it, was, it had been seven years and I was whatever age I was, 22. It was mm. time to move on. Um, and you were just coming up to finishing your bachelor's at that point but you yeah. still had what another year yeah one more year and then we ended up living in New Zealand for a time we didn't go and start the business straight away we lived in New Zealand for a while we, you worked for a screen printing company there for a time and then we lived in France for a bit and then when we returned to the UK we were sort of looking for somewhere to thinking where we'd like to live <laughs> for a start and what we'd like to do we started off in Brighton Mm. We'd moved to Brighton and we were thinking, yeah, well, this, will be, this will be good, but it didn't really fit with us. You worked at another screen printers there for a time. Yeah, which interesting was the completely different to the sort of company that we ended up starting, but it was run by a couple. I think, I think we took, there was quite a lot to, be, um, to yeah. learn from observing what I they were doing, actually. I think that was the moment we thought, okay, yeah, we could do a screen print company ourselves. We've got the skills to pull to do that, and let's just give it a go. So yeah. we moved back to Bath. Josh has family here, and set was, up our company. Yeah, and it wasn't strictly a screen print company we set out to, to start, was it? Because actually what we were thinking was that we were pooling your design photography skills mm. and my print skills to yep. create a company. So it was meant to be an amalgamation of those, really. So I think we started off with, a, I don't know, a certain vision. It took a while to realise, Yeah, we, we went down a t-shirt rabbit hole for a while. Yeah. Basically printing a lot of t-shirts, which neither of us had a passion for, and therefore that, that came through in the work, I think, back then. But currently, now, we're d deeply invested in what we're doing and really yeah. enjoying it. We've got kids as well, and they started turning up, for want of a better phrase, <laughs> within like you know nine months of starting the company as well. So it was, um, it was a fairly intense first half decade of, of running the company, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, Rebecca was mostly working from home during that time. And I was mostly doing incredibly long hours at the print studio. Mm. Um, so you probably know, I'm sure anyone who might be listening to this that has started a business knows that you start with all these intentions of creating this thing that's your, the dream in your mind. But of course, you then have to learn how to run a business. Mm. <laughs> you have to learn how to turn your skills into something that's, um, you know, you can monetize. And, but of course, that's all part of the journey. So you've been sort of studying, if you like, at university, a creative subject. You effectively just have been looking at the craft. How do you find it's working now? Are you involved with the, the craft bit, if you like, the actual putting the ink on the paper? Are you getting more involved with the creative side? I was interested to see how you're collaborating. Absolutely. There's, it's all crossed over now. I think there's we definitely have areas of the business that we identify as our own, but ultimately we, everything we do and make, we work together doing it. So we're, we, when we're printing, we're both standing out there working on the prints together, making the decisions together. 
And before yeah. we even get out there, we're, you know, we talk through that pre-press part of the process that you touched on. We, we both do that together, looking mm-hmm. at the artworks, how, how they're going to print. And also what projects we're going to take on and not take on is also a really It's just a constant discussion, it. isn't it? Constant, constant dialogue. Um, yeah. And we were thinking in this podcast that you might ask us about things like the work-life balance and stuff like that. And we, we, was, we were joking this morning, weren't we? We were saying, there isn't really a work-life balance. It's just life. We're just, this is what we do. We don't necessarily go home in the evening and then switch off from it. It's yeah. constant conversation, constant thought process and constant decision making yeah yeah I don't think we've ever sort of done that work hard play hard thing where you really push the business and then sort of take these times off and that might be something to do with raising kids through the whole period as well Mm. it has sort of forced our hand to it all needs to fit together right and and it has all needed to fit together right from the get-go so there's only so much we can push the business on a daily, monthly, yearly basis so it has to be this sort of slow steady growth in that respect and probably since in the last four years since we've been running the studio just ourselves, I mean, that has been a pretty amazing process, I would say, yeah. in terms of bringing us closer together and in this new studio and sort of refining and working on the processes there inside the company. Yeah, seeing how efficient that we've, we've been able to become has been quite incredible yeah. and the amount that we can produce. I think some of the, um, the areas that we kind of collaborate on most is inherently to do with the direction of the company. And when we were... When we were printing t-shirts, I think it would have been really easy. The, the easier road would have been to scale that up and invest in certain equipment and that be the sort of the, the, the beast that you've created. But it, it took far more consideration and decision making together to, to hold it back, rein it in actually, and, um, and make very conscious decisions about where we wanted to be in, you know five years time the next five years time. Yeah, where would you like to see yourself? Are you, do you still want to be doing this in five years time? And then making a decision, no, saying no and pivoting to something else, is that takes quite a lot of courage. And, and knowing that we're not in a rush. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are still in school, man. <laughs> I think that saying no is important when you're running a business, isn't it? And I also think it's, I find it quite helpful in the creative studio. So as a graphic design, essentially a graphic design studio, mm-hmm. We say no to certain projects and I feel more comfortable saying no to certain projects now because we've been running the company for quite some time. And that sense of mastering something, it was just interesting you hearing the way you're focusing and you're trying to master and get better and better at something quite niche. Mm-hmm. A, I think that's probably, I'm guessing, has helped your business, but also I think it's more fulfilling. Yes, definitely. Both of those things. One of those classic thought processes is if you go too narrow you won't have enough opportunity but actually the opposite happens if you focus and focus in one direction on one thing very clearly often that just opens you up to things you never thought were behind that door basically mm. how possible what the possibilities mm. of that can be and I think yes saying no and stopping doing things you think oh you know it's not going to be broad enough thinking but actually it just really really pinpoints your thinking and makes you feel a lot clearer Rebecca is a really guiding light in this respect, I have to say, because I'm quite process-driven. 
and I'd come to work and bang that same nail day after day and just try and shave it for efficiencies. But Rebecca's so good at doing you know, much bigger lateral thinking and saying, we're not doing everything. And I'm, I'm a terrible over-promiser to clients as well, you know, loading up my to-do list with things that you know, aren't really getting us anywhere. So I think Rebecca has been really clear on that for a long time, actually, about focusing down and how that ultimately broadens things out for us. Mm. Yeah. It's been really important. Yeah. And it was also interesting hearing you talk about work-life balance. It's just life. Again, I feel the same way. And I think many creatives, you know, probably feel the same way. It's just, that's what we do. I feel very lucky most yeah. of the time that we do what we do. So. so the photography aspect I was just interested in as well. I wonder whether you could talk a little bit more about that and how that impacts on the studio, whether it's... A key part of your life or whether it's just something you do on the side? Yeah, so for a number of years I did work as a freelance music photographer and that was interesting. Got to get out and about a lot, got to meet lots of people, did some really interesting work. But ultimately it was another aspect to what we were doing where I was, my time was away from the business and it was something that I've said no to now. But through that process I created a, a work practice where I've well, we collaboratively worked on making some photographic screen printed editions, created a new screen print technique for doing that using translucent inks. And that has actually led on to some interesting projects. We've used that technique for a number of clients and artists, and um, that's been a really positive thing within the studio. Uh, we've got a big project coming up, which can't talk about who it is yet, but that's using that technique and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting project when that one comes out. So the photography sort of fed into the company through the screen print technique that we've developed and then my work as a photographer within the company still sort of just, it's there, I, it's not the most creative outlet for me at the moment in that it's just basically the product photography of the final editions. But with regards being a photographer, yeah, those art editions, there's some of them on our site actually for sale. That process is quite dear to my heart and would love to do more of that, I think. But it was something else. We were talking about time and yeah. telling ourselves we would be releasing our own artworks. You know, yeah, you go into January, you say, yeah, we'll do 12 editions this year and we'll release them all and you kind of get to December and we haven't done one. <laughs> we, we constantly try and get better at not over-promising to ourselves and people around us. Mm. And we were, we were sort of chortling in the car that we'd done our second newsletter at the beginning of this year. And in it, we said, right, in May, we're going to send you another newsletter and it's going to contain details of a print release. We have actually printed that release, but it's December now. <laughs> we just haven't managed to do the thing. Yeah. We don't know if that's a negative or not. We're really. not sure, are we? But yeah. Because it's not like we're um, down here every day and driven by the work and tearing our hair out. We're completely absorbed with working on the business and, and getting quite a lot of time to do it, actually. Um, Rebecca's spent this last year completely, well, building a new blogging platform for a start and completely driving that side. Uh, of the business which has given us both like another writing and producing that sort of content we've been trying to do it well mm. and put decent content up and um, Bex's photography and pieces of writing and really talking about the work we're doing it takes a lot of time but the response has been fantastic yeah lots of people have commented and thanked us for contributing to the conversation online we had an artist thank us the other day didn't we yeah just for sort of like right from our very first website in 2008 um, we might be deviating a little from your question sorry but 
Rebecca's whole idea with that first website was she wanted it to be more of an online... We talked about this last night. You wanted it to be... Well, you can say what the difference between that and... Yeah, it was creating more of a portfolio site rather than a services site because ultimately we were a screen printer, but I didn't want it to look like well, you could just phone us up and we'll print your work because I wanted to show the work as for what it was and make make the, us have more of a portfolio presence rather than a service presence online. We felt like a lot of other companies at the time seemed to be hiding their clients, you know, and being particularly ungenerous with what they were sharing about what they were doing. And Rebecca, right from the get-go, wanted to be like, no, well, let's talk, let's celebrate our clients and let's show what we're doing, you know. And, mm. and at the time, in terms of our industry, there didn't really seem to be, I mean, I don't know, but there didn't seem to be um, any other print companies outside doing something similar, which is exciting. Mm. Has that brought you more work, the whole social media side? and the? Yeah, I'd say so. I think certainly within the artist and illustrator world, not necessarily music industry things that's kind of that's a different kettle of fish but yeah the art world definitely yeah certainly I mean it's great what you guys are doing with this meet the maker thing and I think just giving generously and, and getting conversations going I mean it's, it's something somewhere we would really like to take our website and I think there's the appetite there for it the sort of people that are following the company and, and following the brand and we're already sort of talking about artists but getting people to come and contribute and bringing people in a bit more. Maybe that's the plan for 2022 yeah. and, and onwards anyway. But you might not put it in your newsletter. No, we probably won't <laughs> promise. <Yeah. laughs> Maybe cut that bit out of the, po- out of the podcast, actually. <laughs> so on your s- social media, so Hannah noticed this, and I noticed it as well. So Rebecca, so on your the Instagram, for example, there's quite a few images of various members of your family who you describe as makers, thinkers and doers. So we recently talked to the uh, lighting artist, uh, Bruce Munro, about his work, and his mother told him to talk less and do more, which is quite uh, interesting. So I was just wondering about if you could tell us a little bit more about how you split your time between the making, doing, thinking, and how important is the thinking time to the actual making? Well, it's interesting you've got the quote from Bruce Munro about his, what his mother might have said. So my grandfather's got had a maxim that he wrote a lot, and it was, um, it's the making that matters, not the thing I make. Uh, I've actually got one on the wall. And I think that is a constant in my mind. You know, it's the process of constantly making. So we're making artworks, we're making images, making a business, making a family. You know, it all fits in together with regards to that yeah and the thinking part is that just never goes away you never stop thinking mm. even when you're asleep <laughs> you definitely wake up with thoughts on your mind that you've been oh, it can be quite frustrating <laughs> in the morning can't I right we're doing this now <laughs> yeah, interesting and Josh I noticed on your feed right. you've got there's lots of books and where you've written out things I noticed in the studio there you've you've written it out and it looks like a poem Right, it's poetic. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just, I was just curious to sort of hear a little bit more about that because I really quite enjoyed reading your the way you've opened the sketchbook and you've just written lots of things in the sketchbook. Where did that start? Um, I'm a real lover of the way sentences look. <laughs> I like the idea of writing. I'm, I try hard not to be like a sort of forlorn, tortured artist, the writer type, which uh, I'm definitely not. I'm a screen printer, father, business owner with Rebecca. <laughs> But um, 
I just, I do like writing and sentences and, and especially little vignettes and yeah, getting a small bit of writing written down in one go or a thought that's come out and, and reads back well. This is a nice way of recording it. And I'm a real stickler for writing with this, uh, with a fountain pen because of how the ink goes down on the paper. It's like the way it looks. Um, constantly carries a notebook around and is constantly scribbling things down. I yeah. think I encouraged you to start putting them online because Josh isn't. You did actually, yeah. Josh isn't. You don't share much online. Not particularly. No. no. Um, a sort of up and down relationship with it, I think. So yeah, my Instagram feed is sort of pictures of pots of ink and then, yeah, <laughs> just the thoughts that have come out of my head from time to time. But as graphic designers, I think most graphic designers would love looking at splattered ink on the floor yeah, and then definitely. seeing some nice writing in your book. I really enjoy that. <laughs> no, there's definitely, I have to say, um, not having like an arts education background, obviously I've certainly learned an awful lot on the job and I um, you know, have the humility to say so. And I've learned an awful lot from Rebecca who had, you know, very artistic grandparents and, and then studied art. And I've really enjoyed the journey over the last 15 years now of tuning my eye to the, the visual arts and the work we get to do day in day out is fantastic. So yeah, a lot of those writing those, the notebook, it's not just about the words, is it? It's about the, the spacing of the paragraph on the page and, and the way it's photographed and everything. So it is a, it is a little creative, a mini creative exercise from start to finish. I don't know if I would say so. Definitely a bit of therapy. Yeah. It's something you can, you're like, it gives you that little moment of proudness, doesn't it? You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that one. <laughs> you're going to share that one. Yeah, I might share that one. <laughs> I wonder with a, with a lot of artists, creative people, that sense of sharing, because I enjoy the making, but that's the bit that I want to do. The sharing bit to promote the business is something I don't automatically think of. I think some people are brilliant at sharing stuff on social across other mm. channels I don't really think about it because the thing I'm really interested in is the making and the collaborative process so that you putting stuff up on the social is that because actually I want to share this with more creative to help them or is it more actually I want to grow the business this is a way of growing the business or a bit of both kind of a bit of both and mm. I think with regards to the white duck Instagram or social media it's about going back to that first question that you asked us what is screen print so We'll share the final edition and then try to show actually what went into making that and how, you know, the process and the behind the scenes. And I think we've had quite a lot of feedback about that in the past from online that people love to see the ink, the splatter, the, 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 the test prints, the things. But you do have to explain it. So, yeah, you can put up the image, imagery, but you have to explain to people because, like you say, that they don't, lots of people don't know what they're looking at. Mm. So... You know, the final image, it's like, oh, great, I love that poster or I don't like that poster. That's that's easy to understand. But the actual workings out, the behind-the-scenes stuff, kind of does need a bit of explanation. Um, and I think that's a, a, a story that's quite unique to our business that we're able to tell online, and and we get good <coughs> response for that. It's yeah. really interesting, I think, that um, if, we, if our mission wasn't to tell the story, it was just to get upticks or likes or whatever, then we could just put, like, up a pot of... A different kind of ink being poured probably every day and, and people would go bananas for it is the truth there are certain things where people are just like oh i should love that i absolutely love that but yeah we are trying to tell the story of screen print it's probably worth mentioning as well we were talking about this in the car but i think it's fair to say we're both quite private people who are occupied with the making and just and doing our lives and something that's been really good about running the company and that be the outward facing thing 
is that white duck being like the the foil to our lives would be like like we get to sort of I don't want to say hide but we get to exist behind the frontage that is the white duck socials mm-hmm. and that's been a really nice position to operate from for yeah, us yeah it gives you a good voice doesn't it though because you're not you're, you're speaking with the safety of the brand in front of you we don't put many selfies up or things like that it's usually the work yeah so even doing the podcast I don't know this is this is new territory for us it definitely is yeah. I think the closest we got to doing a podcast by the way was about seven years ago when we had done oh, yeah. a project with the movie magazine Little White Lies talking of gig posters they basically took I think seven or eight Coen Brothers films yeah. and commissioned artists to create a gig poster of that film and some brilliant artworks came out um, it was sort of um, creatively directed by Timber Smith who was running the uh, helping run the magazine at the time but they came to White Duck to see us doing some of the printing and, it, and they ended up saying right we're going to do an interview and we're going to film it <laughs> and uh, Bex was like yeah Josh you can do that <laughs> and I just I was standing in front of this camera and uh, they were asking these questions I think I just started talking faster and faster and faster and I was holding a mug and started swinging it around <laughs> and uh, the editor was like I think we've got enough now <laughs> it was an extraordinary experience <laughs> very different company and very different people then I think yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe that's why we've stayed clear of it for seven years. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to touch on, you talk about this, your mission to produce exceptional prints. You know, and I'm looking at that work out there, and obviously it's very precise. And as part of the creative process, there's that sense of imperfection and failure. Does that come into, into what you're doing here? Because I'm looking at what you're doing out there, thinking there's not a lot of room, particularly in the making bit, for failure as it were, particularly when you're building up 13 colours. I was just curious to understand how that might come into your you know, the creative process and what you do. Well, I can tell you now that as a Virgo, <laughs> where am I coming with this? You're thinking to yourselves, and Bex is a Gemini. I have struggled for a long time, actually, with wanting the prints to be perfect and fighting the process. And, and the reality is, if you're going to print 13 layers like that, things you're QCing every single print that comes off the machine and things are going to get through little imperfections like there's a little pinhole of ink that's made its way through the emulsion there and you need to tape it up so that's on 50 of the prints right away <laughs> or there's a little bit of fluff got under there or tiny bit of misregistration and actually with screen print I think um, I've come to terms over time with yes delivering exceptional print but exceptional print doesn't mean it could be a digital print it means actually it's got all the trappings of a screen print and I, and I think, you know, we, we see in some of the areas that we work, um, the buyers of these prints sort of doing things in their own little groups, like um, rating the registration of all four corners out of ten and stuff. And it's like, you guys are missing the point. And plus you're giving me heart palpitations. So, you know, give it a rest. <laughs> yeah, I think, Josh, is, it's taken you a really long time to accept imperfection in the work. Definitely. Yeah. But I'm on board now. <laughs> so I think I think a lot of the desirability of a screen print is the fact that it's not perfect, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like we were talking earlier about a screen print being an artwork in its own right. It's full of the fact that we've handled it for two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like writ large in the print yeah. itself. Yeah. You know, looking at that very fine illustration out there, you know, I just think it's sort of beautiful the way it comes together. I'm not seen that imperfection but yeah it's really interesting to hear about those little little touches you know and I agree your your hands as it were are all over it in in many respects so I guess the digital bit I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and understand one's obviously very hands-on 
imperfection creeping in, but bringing it to life and making it unique. I wondered if you could just talk a little bit more about the whole digital side and why you've brought that in and you know how you balance that with the silkscreen printing. The first reason we brought digital printing in was because there is work that is unachievable as screen prints and we have clients where their work just would never be worth trying to screen print because you would you'd, you'd ruin the joy of that print. Too much. So we work with a, a He's a DJ actually, but he's an artist called Feed Me, and his artwork is you know it's so many colours, it's very it's made in a digital way, so it looks like digital art. And then we have worked with him to um, create digital editions, but then with screen print embellishments, so with metallics or fluorescence or glow in the dark or over the top of the digital print. So you sort of create not just embellishment, kind of adding. Yeah, you're adding something tactile it. to yeah. something else that the you know that gives you a different experience of the you know when you own that print it's going to give you something more. Mm. And that's really slotted in well with our company in terms of adding the screen print layer to the digital. Yeah, work. we used to be we were White Duck screen print for many years, weren't we? Mm. And then we evolved into White Duck editions, and I think that's because our aspirations for the company evolved. And, you know, we are very screen print centric and we sell that process, but we are, we are making print editions ultimately. Mm. So the scope of what we do is broadened. And the, and, and the bottom line is the, you know, the equipment, we, we spent about a year and a half deciding on which equipment to invest in. We needed it to produce fantastic quality prints. And there's no denying the prints that we're creating and the way we're exploring different papers different finishes, they are, we're making beautiful prints of the process. So so you see it two going hand in hand for many years, you know, are you sort of thinking, you know, the digital is going to replace the silk screen or you no, think there's always... No, no there's no. always a place for yeah. the two processes and like I say, some things just won't translate to screen print right. and, or you could, but you destroy the artwork and certain clients just, that's what they want, so, you know. Yeah. We, we, we've, we've run our business through the pendulum swing of the... The yeah. digital revolution, haven't we? Yeah. And it's so weird when a new technology comes in. Everyone, um, usually people think, well, that's fine. We'll have this and we don't need the other. And then there's a little bit of time and then it swings back and you're like, oh, no, we, there's space for both. Like the idea that we won't need books anymore. We can do it digitally. And it's like, hang about, what about that art copy book, that table <laughs> book? It can't possibly be anything else, can it? <laughs> it has to be that. So, yeah, definitely the two existing side by side for us is, is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. No, and I can see how the screen printing adding to the digital print. I hadn't really thought about that. Mm. So I, I can see how that sort of uh, makes a big difference. So, I mean, do you have a, with all these, look, I mean, I've only seen a selection of the prints, but any particular favourites? Screen prints or digital prints or particular clients or particular type of work? I'm always a huge fan of all the work we've done with Laboca, the design agency Laboca. Everything we've printed for them just always makes my eye it's a feast <laughs> they're just amazing so we, on our website you'd see there's the honey boy edition recently yeah um but my favorite of theirs is the metropolis editions they did for fritz lang's metropolis um and they did three colorways wasn't it a red mm. a green and a silver was it uh there was like a gold and black version i think there was a white and black version red and green so yeah. they made the four colorways and that we've actually got that the green version of that Metropolis print up at home, <laughs> so that's definitely one of our favourites. Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, they're fantastic. 
I really love the, um, we mentioned that in the studio, the, uh, the New Yorker illustrator, Yuko Shimizu. Mm. I love her work so much because she sketches it and then she does, she paints with a brush all of her line work. She paints the most incredible characters. And with the UK gallery, Black Dragon Press, he's done a uh, Jean-Luc Goddard series, ongoing series of prints. We've produced three so far with artwork by Yuko Shimizu. When we completed the third one, we got all three out from the archive to photograph them because we're going to do a blog post about the, the, the series so far. And they're just so exquisite, her artworks. They're just beautiful. She has this amazing ability to... Well, she does that thing where you absolutely know it's her art, but she can turn it to whatever the subject is. So in each one of these films, she's sort of captured the, the dress and the, the sense of... It so well. Mm. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, there's a lot. Every time we look in our drawers, at wow, no, remember, remember that one. That was that one turned out well, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, there's that one. That one's great. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So the Metropolis one, for example, yeah. that you've mentioned. What was it about that you like so much? Is it the art? I'm appreciating that. Is it the the challenge of actually bringing it to life? You know, you've taken something and you've added your own thing on top of that an extra layer if you like do you really like it when there's a real challenge and you you overcome that challenge and you produce something really special mm. what was it what is well, it with about the metropolis it? one from seeing it small on a computer screen it's a large edition and it's on foil paper which i'm not usually the biggest fan of foil paper but um in this one it just created the mechanical look of the film really comes through in the artwork it's got these really strong sort of art deco lines but it's got some really subtle dither within it as well so it creates a human element to a film about robots <laughs> and, and it's one of my favorite films as well I really like the mm. film yeah. so with that one it was it was from seeing the artwork on screen and being like wowed by it thinking wow that's a really beautiful piece of art to then the process of making it and then once it's been made and then holding the edition it's it's been elevated you mm. know to this other status which is continues to bring me joy today and we've lived with it for a long time so it's past yeah. the lit, that litmus test <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't got bored of it some prints you get you get excited about and obviously we, we do produce a lot of print in a year and uh, and it's all fantastic but you know some prints you could you could really live with and others not so much might just mean it's not for you but this one in particular there really is something about it it was challenging i mm. have to say <laughs> their artwork is one of those a bit like malika's that's deceptively simplistic i.e. not simple at all, and very key registration, straight lines, very little room for imperfection. Yeah, very, actually. very little room for imperfection. Very exacting. Yeah. Um, and we were, at the time, we were printing on some papers that were particularly challenging to, to get right. So anyway, yeah, it probably does have, it hanging on the wood, probably does have a certain weight to it of, um, of what it took to create it, mm. maybe. Yeah. And this is a bit of a technical question, but I'm just interested in, when you supply the artwork and there's like 13 layers, are they supplying you with each layer? That wouldn't be that easy. <laughs> some, would some, no, no, yeah. Some, oh, people, some people do. Some right. people will either employ somebody else to separate their artwork for mm. them. Some artists know the screen print technique and will actually create their artwork from the beginning in layers. But that still doesn't mean it's ready for screen print. There's still other elements that need to be added, mm -hmm. like the trapping, so where the colours in, uh, interact. There's the always, there's pretty much always artwork prep to do because every print studio is different. It's really critical actually to get that pre-press work right. Like we've already told you what, how challenging it is once you're on press. You want to take as few known challenges as possible into that process and then just deal with the variables that are inherent in the process, I suppose. So you want that artwork separation process to be thorough mm. 
and all capturing, if at all possible. Yeah, and different studios work with different screen meshes and different tolerances on their press. So how you separate your artwork is relevant to how you're running your studio as well. So one piece of art, something we separate for our studio might not work in a different right. studio. So that's a nuance of the screen print technique. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. But some art comes and has not... It's in no layers and it's completely flat and then it, it's at, yeah. it's almost like you have to redraw a lot of it or mm. rework a lot of it and it can take, I mean, what's the longest separation? Well, we did those posters recently and it was a Japanese artist for two Japanese horror films. The, uh, the gallery commissioned a Japanese artist called Takato Yamamoto and he provided just paintings scanned and the paintings were maybe a fifth or a sixth the size of the final prints so they needed to be blown up and then separated from flat and they became 13 colour prints I think. They're like oil paintings aren't they? Yeah. yeah. We spent 20 plus hours on each one for those. <laughs> Pretty labour intensive. So that's one, yeah, that's the that's an extreme case. That is an extreme, yeah. yeah. But um, honestly we, we've been in business long enough to see, we've moved on from receiving artworks where people are like, oh I, I think I'd like this screen printed. Let's be honest, most artworks we get these days, almost all artworks, the artist has probably produced screen prints before, has worked in layers, is, is sympathetic to the fact that it's going to be more work for us if they are less conscious when they're producing the work. Yeah. So yeah, mostly like Rebecca said, it's, it's actually about just tuning the separation to fit with our processes I think. Mm. And any dream projects, dream things you'd like to do? <laughs> we can't talk about it at the moment actually but there is an exhibition coming up hopefully around about February time that we're doing all the printing for and it's a musician photographer. Rebecca photographed a band and she was photographing gigs a lot. She photographed them a number of times and then she created some screen print work based on the photographs and then through that one of the band members, partners, has been in touch, he's a photographer, over a period of about a year saying how much he loves Rebecca's work and that has turned into this prospective exhibition mm. and we've run, we've done, we've been through two rounds of proofing thus far. We're going to send those proofs out this week and then hopefully uh, the first two weeks in January we're going to be producing all the prints for that show. Yeah. So That's an exciting that's one. That's an exciting one. So, yeah. Yeah. It, should yeah. be, it should be a really good one. Any other plans for the future? And for the future, take a holiday some Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, I th we actually, with the installation of this new piece of equipment, that means we can now do everything in-house. And it's about, it is four and a half years since we moved into this new studio. We were just think, saying the other day that we're kind of coming to the end of a, of a five-year plan that we didn't realise we'd set ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit like we're reaching the end of a definite five-year block. So going into 2022, we haven't really got set plans. It's almost like a bit of a, a reset and think about the next five years, mm. don't you think? Yeah, I think plans for the future are keep it going. We've spent a lot of time building up what we're doing now and it's, it's working and we've survived the pandemic and the clients are there and everybody's happy and there's big a lot of excitement in the music industry at the moment about that so yeah we're poised for the next five years but i don't know that we've got a plan no. yeah <laughs> well whatever happens we wish you the very best of luck with the future hannah and i really enjoyed listening to your story and looking around in the studio so thank you very much thank, thank you. you thank you for taking the time yeah coming to talk to us thanks it's been nice a bit of a breath of fresh air yeah <laughs> thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to make or create something of your own. Thank you to producer and editor of this podcast, Hannah Lee. 
and be sure to click on the subscribe button so you don't miss a conversation. If you would like to know more about our Makers project, check out our website madeinbath.co.uk. Or if you would like to know more about our design work, go to Mitton Williams, that's M-Y-T-T-O-N, Williams.co.uk. See you next time.